Welcome to Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public sector and how it serves the Australian community. My name is David Pembroke. As we begin today's podcast, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are meeting today, the Ngunnawal people, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge the ongoing contribution they make to the life of our city and this region. I'd also like to acknowledge the custodians of all the lands from where anybody listening to this podcast today is joining us. So reliable and accessible data is the key for the conception, delivery and measurement of public policy and programs. The building of this digital capability and literacy remains at the top of many leaders of the APS's wish list. Indeed, the APS Reform Office is undertaking a review of this important capability to understand the current levels of digital capability in the public service and indeed what steps need to be taken to build those skill sets in more public servants across the APS. To contribute to this important conversation, the Institute of Public Administration in the ACT is hosting the Australian Government Data Forum on the 17th of May in collaboration with the Graduate Data Network, the Office of the National Data Commissioner and the APS Data Profession. The forum will focus on how data can be used to inform the delivery of policy and programs with insights from experts across the public and private sectors. Well, we're lucky today to be joined by two of the organisers of the forum from the Graduate Data Network. The Graduate Data Network was established in April of 2018 and now has over 1,000 members from over 40 different Commonwealth state and territory agencies. Members are from both data specialist and non-specialist backgrounds, and they're all very keen to drive the effective use of data for the benefit of all Australians. So joining me is Moira McLaughlin. She is the Graduate Data Network's project lead for the Australian Government Data Forum. Since completing the graduate program at the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, Moira has been on secondment with the Department of the Senate. Her experience as a data and information analyst has helped her to build her data sharing infrastructure and reporting skills to understand better the diverse experiences and stories about Australians from across our country. So welcome to you, Moira. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. And we also have joining us Sam McMurray. Sam is a data scientist at the Australian Tax Office and also the co-chair of the Graduate Data Network. After completing the data stream of the ATO's graduate program, he's now working on enhancing the natural language processing capability as a data scientist within the ATO's Smarter Data Branch. He has a passion for building data understanding within the APS and for accelerating existing business processes by incorporating data-driven approaches. Welcome to you, Sam. Thank you, David. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. So listen, I'll I'll start, uh, first of all, Moira, if I may, with you. Can you just tell us a little bit about the Graduate Data Network and what its goals are? 
Yeah, absolutely, David. I think that was a really great introduction there before. Um, I think the Graduate Data Network is really all about giving graduates in the APS an opportunity to come together, network, um, build their skills in a way that's unique and different to their everyday workload, um, as well as create a really solid foundation of um, those beginning their career in data um, and how people across all levels of the APS can really have an input and say um, and give back to really interesting and unique projects. And so for you, Sam, what was the motivation for you to join the Graduate Data Network? Well, I think the well, my first exposure to the GDN was last year's Data Forum, um, which was uh, just amazing. And I thought that any uh, group of graduates who could contribute to putting together such an awesome event um, was definitely worth a check out. So I had a look, I talked with a couple of people who'd done it, um, and it just looked really, really interesting. And, you know, they, they, they were working on projects, uh, they were connecting with other grads, uh, you know, they were able to put their skills into practice. Um, yeah, so it, it just seemed like a really exciting opportunity. And just another thing that I could jump on in, inside of the uh, uh, the, the graduate year to really, you know, get my hands onto data. But I, it was it didn't end up being all about data in the end, but it was still, still that was my motivation for joining for sure. And what has surprised you about being a member of the Graduate Data Network? What what has happened that you you were surprised has happened in the last 12 months? Yeah, well, I think it was it was just the people within it. So I'm coming from a data technical background and I was really looking forward to get my hands dirty on uh, a machine learning project or something like that. But it turns out a lot of our uh, members are from the policy side or from non-technical backgrounds. So engaging with them and seeing, okay, what kind of work can we do together um, that's going to be useful for the APS in general? So I think the big, the big realization for me was understanding that yeah, there's a lot there's a lot more to data than just my small technical background area. And so working on the projects, we were able to, you know, none of them ended up being, I guess, specifically data science projects. They were all, you know, a data event or they were a report or, you know, they were a summary of current uh, policies and programs to help um, uplift data capability. Um, so it was very interesting for me to see that and get exposure to those, uh, you know, that those different people and those different uh, types of work. And so for you, Moira, what about you in the last 12 months? What what surprised you or delighted you or um, helped you as as you have been a member of this Graduate Data Network? Absolutely. Um, I think I can really mimic some of the sentiments Sam just mentioned. Um, it's been such a learning experience and a lot of my role um, as the forum project lead was actually learning how to communicate about data to people that may be on the policy side of things or might just be beginning their journey with data. So um, that was certainly a learning curve and something, a really big positive that I've taken away from the experience. Um, working with the forum. Um, so I think Sam honestly summed it up really well. <laughs> hmm. So listen, the, the APS Reform Office, as I did mention in uh, the introduction, are taking a very good hard look at both, you know, the data and digital as the professional streams. And it's because of the demand and because of the import, uh, importance. Now, Maura, you work as a data and information analyst um, what do you find most attractive about having data as such an important part of your career in the APS? 
Um, yeah, really great question. Um, I think for me, as someone who's just beginning in their career, um, I've been really struck by the diversity of opportunities um, across the APS. So having been able to build some of my um, capabilities around programming languages, writing um, and exploring data visualizations, I think what I've found is I'm able to apply that to such a broad scope of work, um, whether that's more the health and welfare um, area or more kind of um, expenditure areas, as well as being able to relate that back to policy. So for me, I think the most attractive part about working with data is um, the scope and the opportunities it opens, as well as being able to branch out into unexpected new and interesting areas of data. And what about for you, Sam? Yeah, no, I 100% agree with Moira there. The applicability of data and what you can do with even just a few technical skills, uh, you know, you can you can learn these technical skills and then apply them in any area. You know, within the ATO, you've got tax, you've got law, you've got a lot of different areas, um, but you can use a lot of the same techniques. And I think the real, the reason why I loved data or, you know, I was very interested in it um, to begin with and still am is the problem solving aspect of it. You're always coming across something which you haven't really seen before and you have to go and research, find a, you know, a new technique or an old technique or talk to someone and find out how I can overcome this little challenge um, to tell the story um, or to integrate a new data set or something like that. So, Sam, can you give us a, an example, for perhaps from some of your work there at the uh, ATO, as to how you've used your skills, your data skills, and collaboration skills as well with your, your policy colleagues as well, um, to create benefit for the Australian people? Yeah, well, I, I think I, maybe this is this is one of the, the points I was referring to earlier is that I hadn't had much exposure to explaining it to to um, to a policy. Uh, someone whose background is in policy, um, you know, my my experience. So when I was in, in my graduate, uh, first graduate rotation, I was uh, in a team that was working on fraud analytics. So we were working with some very interesting cloud infrastructure. Uh, we were working, uh, you know, trying to identify uh, how how we can how we can find fraudulent activity um, in, in the in the data we were looking at. Uh, so that was completely new to me. And even to a lot of the team, we uh, had to come across different things. We had to interact with external contractors who knew a lot of the cloud infrastructure side. And we had to combine that with the data that we were getting uh, from our side. So it's it's amazing how much you have to collaborate even within the technical uh, areas between data science and data engineering, data analysts who are gonna eventually communicate it to the business. Uh, so it's very, um, <laughs> there's a lot of collaboration uh, that, that goes on in these data science projects. And I've definitely experienced that, uh, you know, uh, since I'm joined the ATO. And in terms of that, how much success did you have in identifying the fraud? Yeah, well, it's hard, actually. It's it's very hard to get good results because it's not even just about having the right techniques, which undoubtedly we did not, uh, you know, we were doing the best we could, but there's always new techniques coming out. But it's also have, connecting it to the data and making sure that we've got good feedback from business um, making sure we're, you know, if we if we identify some uh, some, you know, an instance of fraud or we think we have, how well can we say to business, oh, we've got, we think we've got this case. What do you reckon? Does this match up with your experience? Um, so I think I think one of the huge challenges was getting the interaction and getting this feedback loop from the people we're trying to help out and to help, uh, you know, improve the speed of their decision making. It's uh, that that was one thing I think. Uh, we we did get some feedback in the end, but it was it was definitely a challenge to make that um, uh, to make that feedback loop happen. 
Mm. So, Moira, to you, um, good policy and programs should be based on the best available evidence and comprehensive data. Uh, At the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, you've worked on a novel national data compendium to establish leading statistical information on the prevalence of, of family, domestic and sexual violence. How has the release of this particular piece of work helped in delivering and developing better policy in this field? Yeah, um, thanks, David. So I was really fortunate to join the Family, Domestic and Sexual Violence Unit um, in my graduate year at AIHW. Um, So I think it's uh, a really emerging area and we've seen a lot of interest, particularly in recent budgets um, and a lot of conversations about the way that we can address such a prolific issue across Australia. Um, And it's also an issue that is often hard to identify or talk about or capture, um, particularly in a numerical way. So it's been a really interesting space to be in. Um, And once we are able to release um, our major project um, that is really capturing rates of the statistics and rates of violence across Australia, um, it's going to be a critical step in our ability to communicate with policymakers, program, um, program rollout, as well as um, ensuring that we're targeting funding um, on a needs basis. So I think that it's incredibly important to, um, I think what we've been doing by capturing this data and really consolidating it and centralising it um, at the AAHW, it's a really critical step um, in being able to establish a baseline. Um, From there, I think we're looking at the measures um, to capture and explain progress across government, um, as well as areas of improvement. So I think it's one of those areas, um, as most areas of health and welfare are, it's really difficult to capture and quantify that. Um, And I think we've seen some really good examples, particularly in the disability unit, where we can have some frameworks in place so we can measure progress um, and really communicate that in a meaningful way that translates um, on a practical level, um, as well as, um, yeah, I think just being able to, I think it's a it's a really difficult task to kind of do well and it's going to take a really long time to implement um, and refine the process as well. So I'm really excited that I was able to be a part of that throughout my yeah. grad year. So again, you know, vast, complex, um, challenging work, but can you give me a, perhaps or give us just a little bit of an insight into maybe one of the one of the parts of that of that particular piece of work that you you had to work on to solve uh, a, a particular problem using the skills that you do have um, in that you know data information analyst role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in my role as a data and information analyst, um, I've been doing a lot of authoring on particular topic pages. So that involves, for example, um, looking at the intersection of housing and family, domestic and sexual violence. Um, So from there, it's looking at the current landscape. Um, Where are we getting information? What information do we have? Um, How can we translate the data that we're currently getting from um, housing services and translate that in a way um, that is able to be understood by the general public, as well as policymakers, um, as well as lawmakers, um, and also people in the industry itself. So I think the goal there is to really communicate this information effectively, um, as well as 
as a government establish um, a consensus or understanding about the current data and statistics. So, Sam, in your role um, at the ATO, you work on enhancing natural language processing capability. For our listeners who might not be familiar about what natural language processing is, it is a subfield of artificial intelligence which looks at how computers can better understand the natural uh, spoken word and, and written language. Why, why does this sort of technology matter for the future of, of government programs? Well, I think this is an absolutely huge area. I mean, just to lead it off with a buzzword, and one of the most uh, popular recent technologies that have come out in this field, which is ChatGPT and GPT 3.5, GPT 4. This is going to dramatically disrupt all of the things that we do, um, I believe, in the future. Um, but in my team, we're not quite at the chat GPT level yet. Um, but what we do is basically help humans uh, and, and the people within our organization have more informed and more timely decisions because you don't want to be, as a case officer, thumbing through thousands and thousands of emails, um, you know, thousands and thousands of documents. You want to get a uh, computer and, and these models, these language models that we can develop with NLP uh, to do that for you and to, you know, either summarize or categorize uh, these documents, send you the most, you know, the stuff that you would be most interested in. So a huge part of it is how do we automate and within the, the team that I sit in is the intelligence automation team. It's how do we automate these processes so that I can do less menial work, all of that reading through emails, of course, it's necessary at some point. But if I can have the computer and the models to give you interesting information, which is going to help you make the decision faster, then we've succeeded. Um, so, yeah, specifically the work we're working on now is, yeah, we've been, you know, we're, we're working on uh, one case uh, within the ATO, so it's a tax-related case, and they've been, we've requested information from a certain company, and they've given us, you know, a few gigabytes of emails um, but it would take, yeah, a, a long time, weeks, months to go through all of this and make it, you know, uh, incorporate that data into a decision. Uh, but the team now we're working with, you know, large language models. We're working with different methods to try and make that data simpler or to categorize it before uh, uh, to categorize it so that the the data doesn't have to be uh, gone through manually by a case officer, which is, uh, like, as I said, can take a very, very long time. How do you manage the challenge of um, remaining optimistic yet not overwhelmed when you do see the pace of change and the challenges that you're uh, seeking to to solve? Well, how do I remain optimistic? Yeah, because it it is daunting because uh, you know once you have access to the t technology like ChatGPT and related related technologies, you can you know it's it basically it's going to help anyone do much more than they could uh, by themselves. So as long as the, the, the people behind uh, the decisions being made, which, you know, I have full faith in, you know, the ATO, the Australian government, the APS in general, of course. Um, so I'm very optimistic that we can use these things to really uh, speed up the time to um, the time to production, the time to delivery of a lot of the products that we deliver, a lot of the data products. So hugely optimistic about that. I think it's going to really upgrade the way everyone in our organizations, uh, you know, do work, uh, the way we handle data the way we interact with others even. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that part for sure. And what about you, Moira? Um, that balance between um, optimism and, you know, ch perhaps being challenged by just how much, how big, how fast 
this technology is changing? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I think um, it's really a double-edged sword. We can, uh, particularly in the area I work in, we ha- we're having these leaps and bounds in technology, um, but it can sometimes be outpaced from what I've seen in the ability to have a skill, uh, workforce or have the skills or be able to have the infrastructure to really take advantage of those developments. So um I think you need to, for me at least, stay optimistic that people are so interested in having these conversations and they're so interested in incorporating um, new and diverse techniques that um, any progress is good progress, really. Um, So I think by the very nature of the people that are using data, I think they really embrace change and flexibility and they're dynamic. So um, I think you know, I, it, it's a double-edged sword, but I think that's also something that I really love about data and I love about the changing um, landscape that I work in as well. So how do you stay on top? How do you learn and what tools do you learn um, about using data and, and improving your skills? Um, for me personally, I'm really fortunate um, that the AAHW has quite a lot of inbuilt teams. Um, so people are constantly updating their skills, doing training. Um, but I think that really needs to be complemented by your taking initiative for yourself um, to go out there, look at um, areas or new programming languages um, or technologies that you may be interested in. Um, so for me, I think a lot of the learning I've done myself has come from a needs basis, um, needing to optimise processes or needing to um, refine the way that I'm explaining specific data sets. Um, So I think that there's really drawing on the resources around you, having conversations with people in the field, looking to your supervisors and superiors. Um, I think that's something I've really learned from the Graduate Data Network is that Um, There's just an abundance of people that are willing to help, willing to get in there and have those conversations. And really, there's just such a wonderful culture of learning um, and support. And to you, Sam, what tools have you found useful in learning more about using data and improving your your skills? Yeah, well, I I mean, yeah, I mean, very similar to Moira, the the culture that we have in the ATO and specifically the data science branch uh, is very it's, it's, it's absolutely focused on learning. Everyone is super willing to help you out. If you have an issue, I just, you know, hey, manager, can I, um, what do you think about this? Do you know anyone in the team who's worked on this this thing before? So it's not, um, yeah, you're definitely not alone. And I think <laughs> within the, the data technical side, there's a lot of introverts in the team. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's really, if you, if you can be bold enough to make the step and reach out and say, hey, have you done this before? Uh, you do get a lot of amazing, uh, you know, connections because a lot of the stuff we've been working on with the NLP, um, you know, there's been previous projects, previous proof of concepts that have been done. And it's really it's not that efficient to just stay by yourself and try and uh, uh, try and put together a solution yourself when there's so there's a, there's a wealth of information and even just a wealth of code and a wealth of project experience that's out there. Uh, so, yeah, but on a technical side, of course, I think doing training programs, uh, you know, all the all the ones we have available. I think, you know, with the APS Academy, which has been released by the the, the APS Data Profession, um, is a great start. If and and you know, it, it's it's constantly expanding its uh, you know roster of uh, courses that you can do. Um, but I think, uh, like Moira said, a lot of it is uh, you can do so much just with 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 a bottom up approach. You know, you have a problem and you just look for a solution to that um, for, for for what you're doing, and then it's you know you slowly build up and you. You're able to uh, learn in a in a 
uh, based around a project. You know, I have something I'm trying to do and I get the tools later. Like I understand what I'm trying to do and I find the tools that I need to complete it. Um, so I think I think a lot of it's available. Are there any gaps that you've identified that you think perhaps maybe you know at with at the APS we could do we could do this or we could do that which would would help us or do you feel that most of the tools, most of the culture, most of the mindset is in place and it's 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 just really taking uh, advantage of, of what is already there? Yeah, I, I I think I think there is there is so much there and I was. Looking back on uh, one of Dr. Uh, on Dr. Gruen's speech from from last year's data forum, and he mentioned that look, the data profession is made up of much more than just data scientists, technical analysts. So, if that's your idea, you know, really, it's it's about the people who are doing data visualization, data management, data governance. So everyone's doing some amazing work in all these different fields, and the challenge, and you know, I think we're definitely doing this well, and with a lot of the data sharing and the data governance. Um, activities that have been going on we've been able to share a lot of uh a, a lot of knowledge around this area but i think if we can do anything more is how do we how do we integrate these these teams which often you know sit in different parts of the office work on different projects um how can we how can we get talking more and more uh and so yeah one thing the, the graduate data network at least on the graduate level that's that's where my head's been for um for, for 12 months now uh yeah I, th- I think there's a lot of aspects even just within um you know for grads one of the best experiences I had was, um, well, within my rotations, but I was, uh, to my chagrin, placed amongst the litigation team, which is in a different part of the office to the data science team. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to talk to anyone. But over the uh, over the six months that I was sitting amongst them, I was able to talk and and look at the, the problems and the issues that they're facing, you know, trying to load up all their emails, load up all of their data that they're trying to do for day-to-day case officer activities. And just see it from a data lens and say, hey, I'm pretty sure we've already solved um, a problem similar to that in the data science, um, uh, in, in the data science team. It'd be awesome if we could uh, if we could port that over. Um, of course, nothing happens overnight, but it was just really exciting to see that some, yeah, like once you do start talking and, you know, you place a grad in a random place and they start talking to the people around them, you realize, oh, there's a, you know, there's a lot more that we can do for each other within the organization. And I think it plays out on the you know interdepartmental level as well. Um, being able to yeah. share knowledge, share experience, yeah. And what about for you, Moira? Is any can you see any immediate gaps that might be able to be closed? Yeah, I think that was a really fantastic example that Sam just gave. Then um, I think from my experience um, and to a similar point, it's making sure that we have that consistent data literacy across different agencies, across people who are using data in really different ways. Um, to make sure that we're actually using it effectively um, and efficiently. Uh, I guess another perspective would be um, putting in place standards or procedures, um, making sure that people have access to the tools and resources that they need. I think some areas um, are really fantastic at implementing new tools such as R or Python, um, and then there are some other teams that are may struggle to kind of implement those more efficient technologies. And as, as we kind of mentioned before, these this technology is evolving rapidly and so it can be really hard to um, put in place these technologies in um, a regulated way. So I think that's something that's really exciting that's coming out of the ONDC is how do we make the standards consistent across the board. Um, and something that I'm looking forward to seeing is that as these technologies evolve, how we can incorporate them and really make the APS more efficient. 
Yeah. So the Office of the National Data Commissioner, uh, the APS Data Profession, IPA, and the Graduate Data Network are coming together um, May 17 uh, to bring uh, that forum, the Australian Government Data Forum, together. Uh, a question uh, to both of you before we we before we wrap it up. What's one session that you're looking forward to, and why should people attend the Australian Government Data Forum? So give me one session that you're looking forward to and a reason, a compelling reason as to why people should attend the Australian Government Data Forum. I'll start with you, Moira. Um, I think the session I'm most looking forward to is Closing the Gap Showcase. Um, it's going to be a fantastic opportunity to look at um, an in-depth um, case study of the work that's being done in Indigenous communities um, and it will be fantastic to see the diverse perspectives um, and ways that we're using data in a really tangible, meaningful way. Um, so I think that will be really fantastic to hear from some industry leaders there. Um, and why I think you should attend, oh, well, I think I just took so much, so much, so much learning um, so many people that I met at the at last year's forum, I've maintained those friendships. Um, it's just a fantastic day all round. And most importantly, it's a good excuse not to go into work. <laughs> Fair enough. Sam, okay, the challenge is yours. What session and why? Well, I'm, a, I'm an AI uh, data nerd through and through, so I can't um, not mention the fact that there's going to be a breakout session on AI and emerging technologies. Um, so I'm very excited for that. It's going to be a discussion about all the things that are happening. Hopefully, ChatGPT comes up. Hopefully, all of the large language model stuff comes up. But also, there'll be Dr. Denise Bauer um, from CSIRO talking about her bioinformatics and the huge uh, developments that have been happening in that space. Um, you know, with with which is which is a huge part. It's going to be very interesting to me. So, if, you know, for all of all of the other um, data-minded people, I'll definitely recommend going to that. But it's so hard to choose because Every session is going to be amazing. Um, look, why why should you go to the data forum? 100% like Mara. I loved the last one. Um, it was my first real exposure to the work we do across the APS. You get this massive bird's eye view of what everything of everything that happens. I thought you know the ATO does is amazing work, but really we're just one of many departments who work with many different um, many different stakeholders, many different data sets. It really blew my mind last year how big it is, how many people are involved, and how invested the APS is in getting the data capability um, the data capability up, the data sharing, all of these aspects. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's a great doubt and I'm super excited to attend. So I hope I hope you would be uh, you'd you'd love to join in person or online as well. Excellent. Well certainly uh, a compelling conversation today and probably what I take about away from from both of you is that this is this is business as usual. This is core operating um, capability now in in the day in this day and age of of digital technologies. And so, really, there there will be something for everyone at the Australian Government Data Forum, whether you're in policy, whether you're in program, uh, service delivery, whatever it is. Um, I'm sure there will be something for you there. So, a very big thanks. Uh, to you, Moira McLaughlin, and also to you, Sam Murray. Thank you for joining me uh, today. And that date again for that Australian 
Government Data Forum is the 17th of May in person at the Rex Hotel, but also you can join it online. And there will be um, speakers such as Dr. Uh, Kendra Vant from Zero, and also um, the ANU Vice Chancellor, Professor Professor Brian Schmidt, um, who will also be speaking there. So a big thanks to Moira and to Sam for joining us today. And if you are attending, why not join the inaugural APS Data Awards Dinner, which is on afterwards. And I'm sure both Sam and Moira will be there. Um, The awards dinner will highlight some of the innovative and resourceful solutions that are are being uh, developed and delivered across the APS and really um, will help people to see and understand just how data is making a difference to the lives of people in the Australian community. And there's also uh, the opportunity to have a night out um, with colleagues. And I think that was one of the uh, key messages that Sam brought across and Moira really is that, you know, the data network, the graduate data network has been about coming together and meeting people, uh, sharing experiences, sharing knowledge and in many unexpected ways. So I'm sure if you do attend the APS uh, Data Awards Dinner, you will be rewarded um, by attending. And there's also some great jazz music there uh, as well by as famous as the moon. So make sure uh, to register for those two great events. You can do that via the IPA ACT website, which is uh, the website www.act.ipaa.org.au forward slash events. And don't forget, if you're working for a department or an agency, you're likely to be a member of IPA ACT. And if you do attend, you will pay the member rate. So before we let you go, just make sure that you are connecting with IPA ACT or Content Group on LinkedIn uh, about the latest uh, from Work With Purpose or by sending us an email at events at a act.ipa.org.au. Work With Purpose is produced in collaboration between Content Group and the Institute of Public Administration of Australia, ACT, and supported, as always, by the Australian Public Service Commission. We'll be back with another episode in a fortnight, but in the meantime, you can catch up on the over 80 past episodes of Work With Purpose. It certainly is a treasure trove uh, of information about the Australian public service and indeed how the APS uh, services the Australian people. So uh, you can listen to prior episodes of Work With Purpose on all podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and indeed a rating or review also helps us to be found. So if you did have time uh, to leave a kind rating or a review, uh, that would be much appreciated by us here at Work With Purpose. But a big thanks again to Moira and to Sam for coming on today. Uh, Thanks to you for coming back once again. Uh, We'll be back at the same time in two weeks. My name is David Pembroke and it's bye for now. 